So there's there's good and bad to that. The good is that you, you clarify what's important, what's not important. The bad is that you're left, you leave your kids to fend for themselves to figure out life. And there's so many things that I'm like, God damn, it would have been so much easier if we just had a conversation. Like you guys just gave me a heads up, like like uh, the birds and, and the bees talk. Or are you talking about? <laughs> no, <laughs> what are we talking about? Spoken into existence. Then I think back, like, no, I did it. It was hard work, sacrifice, discipline, commitments, big balls, big falls, bigger ups, good intentions. Take a look in the mirror. I'm proud of who looks back. So I stand tall, lace up my J's, grab my book bag, and. Welcome to uh, episode number two of the Raj and Bubs podcast. Hopefully you've had a chance to listen to episode one at this point. If you haven't, no worries. You can find that on all our platforms. We'll go through your social medias and give you all those links. we got a very special guest today, a friend. Uh, I'll let Subbert do the official introduction here. Subs? Yeah, yeah. Really excited about the guest we have today. I uh, have a great relationship, uh, very unique, uh, but... With us today, we have Hirsch Patel, uh, friend, husband, father, uh, tech mogul, uh, just an overall awesome guy. Uh, really thrilled to have you here, so thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. I should know this, but who is guest number one? That would be you. Uh, so it, it, it oh, made a lot of sense. Oh, was just you guys. Yeah, yeah, you're the first oh, yeah. uh, guest Whoa, you're having. Baby. So, Let's go. Uh, yeah, so we had an episode just between Raj and I, and then uh, reached out to you to be guest number one. Uh, couldn't think of anyone better. So really pumped to, to have you here. I'm honored. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. So Hirsch, obviously you have a you have a very unique journey um, from where you started, like post college, to where you are now and what you're doing today. Just tell us a little bit in a nutshell, kind of you know, high yields about that journey and kind of what you're up to today? Well, started that journey as a middle school teacher uh, in South Chicago. So I taught fifth graders and eighth graders for a bit there for two years. After that, went into just like building companies mode. Um, There's, there's a, there's a ton of stories in between each of these sentences, but in short, went into like building companies, started Maker Square with you know, ours truly, Mr. Sean Shaw. Uh, yes, sir. Ravi. Shout out, Sean. Shout, Shout out, Ravi. Shan. Shout out, Ravi and Shazan. And don't forget well. Shazan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that that ended up being um, the first business that actually, like, worked, so to say, and started growing quickly. And then from there, um, sold it to a company called Hack Reactor, then ran Hack Reactor for a bit, sold it to Galvanize, ran that for a bit, and then sold it to a company called K12. And then after that, I took some time off to hang out with our newborn, Arlo. Shout out, Arlo. Shout out, Arlo. <laughs> Shout out, yes. He's, uh, he's 14 months old now. Yeah. The and biggest, so the, I, heir, so. the, the heir to the throne. Heir to the, the, heir throne. To the throne. Hope I also want to call out, uh, when Hirsch says, like, he help run it run like hack reactor and then galvanize he like actually ran it he was at he like got acquired and moved up to ceo i just thought that was uh worth noting there 
Yeah, I never know how to say it without sounding like an asshat, so <laughs> I just kind of gloss over it until we get to the details. But you're right. Um, and then, uh, so I, I, I left uh, Galvanize maybe a year and a half or so ago, and we're just hanging out with Arlo, and then you got into the crypto world. Um, and for a while, I was just like, you know, playing around, seeing seeing what's out there, what what people are doing, how people are building stuff in crypto. And then eventually jumped back in and started a new company called Shipyard, shipyard.xyz. And uh, that's what I'm up to now. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, you've had an amazing journey. And I know Severith was involved at portions of that journey going back to the maker school. Yes, sir. So I know you started with teaching, middle, being a middle school teacher is where you started that pathways. But I, yeah. I'd like to take it even before that. Now, once upon a time, you had taken your MCAT and That's right. applied to medical school and were accepted to medical school, to uh, Rush Medical College. That's and right. Shout out Rush. That's where I did my residency and fellowship. And That's ultimately, right. you turned that down for TFA, correct? Yeah. Well, sort of. I didn't turn it down at first. At first, TFA was like, hey, we've got to deal with so there's two, there two places, Rush and, and Mizzou, which is where my brother went to med school too. So they said like, hey, Mizzou's got a thing where you can do TFA and go go back to med school. You don't have to take the MCATs again or do all that. So I was like, hell yeah, what's there to lose? Let's do this. And that's why I went into TFA because I had nothing to lose. It felt like I had nothing to lose. Got it. And then, you know, halfway through TFA or towards the end of it is when I actually decided to like, okay, never mind. I'm not going to go to med school. But at first, it was like such an easy decision because I was like, oh, I'll just do it in two years. Yeah. Easy, easy decision. But curious, what were your conversations like with your parents when you were letting them know, <laughs> hey, uh, my dad, that's a doctor. I'm not going to medical school and I'm going to go teach uh, in the inner city of Chicago. I, I think the, it was so it wasn't that bad because I could always say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to go to med school in two years. Yeah. And that was like. It made it so easy to be like, yo, I'm not going to do this for a bit. I'm going to go do this other thing, and then I'll go to med school. And they're like, All right, whatever, dude. As long as you got that acceptance letter, we're, we're good. And, uh, and and it was good, though. My, my dad was really supportive. Um, my dad's been really supportive of me doing stuff outside of medicine ever since I was a kid. Um, he, he Every time I'd ask him, he'd be like, oh, you should go be an artist. Because I used to draw a lot and paint a lot as a little kid. Yeah. So my dad's been super supportive from that front. And then my brother is also super supportive because I've, I've learned a lot from Abhishek because he, he goes through life and then tells me what not to do and, uh, and what to do. And so his, one of his big piece of advice was like, hey, if you can, like, don't go straight from undergrad to med school. If you have an opportunity to do something else, do something else um, before you go straight into med school. So that was easy, too. And then it was just my mom. And my mom to this day, still has no idea what I'm doing and probably still wants me to go back to med school. <laughs> so she was, she was the harder one. She's still waiting for that white coat ceremony. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you paid, your, you paid your deposit for that white coat ceremony, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's awesome um, that you, know, you had the support of your parents. In the first episode, we talked about how I felt looking back on it. Like I'm happy with where I am, obviously, but me going into medicine is one of those things where you get so invested time-wise, financially, and 
if, if you make that jump into medical school and kind of each subsequent step that you take, the harder it is, I feel like it is to take a left turn and be like, all right, let me try something else, do yeah. something else. You feel like you're just wasting time and money that, at that time. So I think that's awesome that you had that sort of support system in place that, you know, just allowed you to kind of explore other spaces and gave you that freedom and encouragement. And that's huge. Did, did yeah. you feel like, you know, did you, with your dad being a doctor and your brother also being a urologist, a physician, did you ever feel like you were letting them down or like any point, like any of those sort of feelings when you were making that decision between medicine, TFA and life after? No, because I have this like, every time there's like a, you know, a big decision to be made, I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? And I think about like, what is literally the worst thing that, that could happen? you know, reasonably happen in a situation. And if I'm good with it, then I just go for it. And in, in the med school case, it was like, um, oh, the worst that could happen is like, I have to take the MCAT again and then get into med school again. And it's like, oh, I did it once. Like, I'm sure I could do it again. And so I was like, there is nothing to lose, truly. And so I, it never felt like I was letting anybody down at all. Because I was like, if I ever do feel like I'm letting him down, I'll just go back to med school. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That actually, I was watching a, a Kobe clip, rest in peace to the black mom of the goat. Yesterday I was watching this and it was his, his uh, the point he was making was basically all of us have these huge hopes, ambitions, dreams, etc. But really what keeps so many of us from ever like branching out to that and really being fearless about it is that fear, right? Like the fear of if you invest time, energy into it and it doesn't pan out the way that you're hoping to and then you have to explain it to yourself explain it to your family explain it to your friends and like that mental burden of that potential scenario and how that hinders a lot of people and if they can kind of break through that you know you the possibilities are endless so i I think that's an awesome kind of outlook that you have just like thinking algorithmically all right realistically if all else shit shit fails, shit hits the fan, like where does that leave me? And if you can accept that worst case scenario, fuck it, why not? Yeah, I'll go and back. Like, <laughs> we all have like I feel I just feel like we're all so freaking fortunate. Like especially us in the Indian community, especially with parents who like immigrated here, right? Like yeah, like w- literally the worst thing that could happen is we get free food, free bed to sleep on, like you know a fantastic family and friends structure like what the fuck like what do you it doesn't give you it it just reminds you that you can literally do whatever the fuck you want yeah i guess guess because the worst that could happen is you're in the top one percent of people on the planet anyway i guess falling back to your five bed five bath in suburban st louis is not a a bad (laughs) exactly (laughs) so I uh, wanted to jump into uh, life after TFA, right? So you, yeah. you did you did a couple of years and the initial plan, well, like you mentioned, was to go to med school. Like that was something yeah. you were going to do at Mizzou. What was your plan? Like what, what did you want to do? What, like what changed after TFA? Yeah, I think what <clears throat> I think what changed was um, I almost quit TFA halfway through in the first year. Actually, not even half, a quarter of the way through, like winter break of the first year I was like this is so fucking hard and why the hell am I doing this like it was it was just so hard you like wake up at like 4 30 a.m go to bed at like 11 p.m and the whole time you're like working on shit wow and it's unbelievable it is literally the 
to this day, the hardest I've ever worked in my entire life for the least amount of pay. Damn. And, Holy cow. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I, it like almost broke me like in winter, like at winter break the first year. Um, and then I went and I like, uh, I like in undergrad, I used this thing called Khan Academy, uh, which yep. me, a lot of people know about these days. And I learned a lot of math, a lot of science, a lot of like med schools, like prep stuff, uh, biology from Khan Academy. And I just love like learning stuff. So I like found myself during winter break, just back on Khan Academy, just like going down the YouTube rabbit hole. And then I discovered that Khan Academy had done all these like exercises for math for kids. And I was like, oh shit, I'm just going to do this in my classroom because that'll make things a lot easier. Yeah. And so I ended up like scraping together eight laptops from friends and family, like reformatted them and like, you know, put, put Khan Academy on them. And I used it in my classroom and uh, shout out, shout out to the goat wife, Monica. She uh, <laughs> told me to blog about it. Shout and I was like, all right, shout out Moni for sure. She told me to blog about it and I started blogging about it and I was just blogging for myself. I was like writing like, okay, the first day of using Khan Academy, here's what I did. And here's what sucked. Here's what went well. I'm going to try this the next day. Next day I did this. And then like a month into it, people all over the world started reading that blog and like reaching out to me being like, hey, can you come like teach our teachers for our district how to use Khan Academy in the classroom? And Damn. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> me? I'm like 22-year-old dipshit that like can hardly teach. Uh, I just did this because... I could I, like I was broken not because it was some genius idea, it's because yeah. like how else are you supposed to do it as a teacher, and and but it, but what that did was it told me that like there's opportunities, pretty much in anything you can do, and uh, and so like when people started reaching out like offering paid engagements to just consult, I was like whoa there's a whole new world out there like I just didn't know that honestly like anything outside of medicine existed. Yeah. I just didn't understand how anything else worked. Um, and so that gave me a little jolt to be like, oh, let me keep exploring this. And then someone else reached out. Uh, his name's Peter. Um, he he was like, hey, you seem like you know what you're doing. We want to come to Canada and we'll spend a weekend like, like uh, workshopping startup ideas for teachers. And I was like, sure. Yeah. And he, he, he was going to pay for my flight and everything. And I was like, all right. Yeah. And so I did that and, um, you know, he, he brought some funding together and we started working on this app that uh, helped teachers like text message with their students' parents. It's a long story, but it's essentially like... Is that I was what you came... There was once upon a time where I was in med, med school and you came and stayed with me in Philly. Yeah, you know, in Philly. That's what I was doing. Was that what you were doing? That's what I was doing, yeah. I, totally I would go... That. I thought yeah, it, dude. it was something teaching related, but... I would go up and down the East Coast. I would drive Moni's GE car up and down the East Coast <laughs> from like Rhode Island to New York to Jersey to Philly to like DC and everywhere, any school that would have me. And I would go in and like demo the product and like get teachers to use it. Mm-hmm. And everybody loved it. Like it was getting lots of usage, but we could never figure out how to get someone to pay for it. Um, so it was basically just like a free tool that everyone loved, but it was totally unsustainable. But by working on that, I was like, there's a world outside of medicine out here. And again, if I fail at it, I'll go back to med school. I just kept going down that road. And then after that came Maker Square. 
And then once Makersquare started working, it was like, didn't even have any time to think about what I would be doing otherwise. Yeah. And what, what time, what year was that roughly around where you started hashing out the infancy of Makersquare? The infancy of Makersquare is 2012, 2013. Yeah. I forget the exact timings now, but yeah. So that was an interesting time. Like I, I think about that like 10 years ago, right? There weren't any like Indian tech icons. Like now you see so many people yeah. in CEO roles, people who have made a name for themselves in corporate America mm-hmm. in tech. There wasn't anyone in 2012. And that's like a 10 year period where we've just blossomed. Did, yeah, was, there anyone, was there anyone at that time that you looked up to or asked for guidance? Like as you were figuring out how to make this maker square thing work? Um, no Indian people come to mind, but I've always been like, not afraid to ask people what might be dumb questions. So there's a, there's a lot of different, like a lot of different people that helped, but it wasn't like, it's, but there's definitely no Indian people that I could ask. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't, they'll all be running hotels, motels, 7-Elevens and stuff if they were working in business. Yeah. Um, Don't make fun of my uncle like that, bro. I, mean, I now realize how genius it is, but yeah. uh, but you know, there's no one in no one in tech that felt right. And how about today? Like, say same things happening now. If MakerSquare was happening in 2022, do you feel like that's a different mm-hmm. story now? For sure. There's like I'm sure each of us know a handful of people Indian Indian people in tech that are anywhere from like starting out to like wildly successful. Like, there's there could be so many opportunities for role models now. Yeah, which is crazy how much that landscape has changed for us. Like, not just Indians, but like first generations, period, in literally a 10-year span. We we, we transition from the engineering floor to the C-suite, and it's it's a beautiful thing. Ooh, look at that. You... You, I mean, we think of like Indians and engineering, right? Like IT, like people yeah. working on laptops. But like, no, we 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 could we could we could do work in that corner office. So, Run this beat. Uh, it, it, exactly, it's beautiful to see. Um, I want to go back to like a funny comment you made, like running uh, hotels, motels, gas stations, right? Like that's like something that Indians often find themselves uh, doing. I'm triggered um, by that comment. <laughs> No one said car washes or gas stations. All right, relax. Yeah, relax, um, Raj. You, are you running any bus- any of these businesses yourself at the moment? On behalf of my father, I'm triggered. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but have like we have a a good grasp on like running those transactional businesses. Like I don't want to downplay how how hard that work is, but it, it's like totally. once you get in that motion, it, it's just kind of repeating that process. Um, but did your like upbringing in an Indian home, people who naturally gravitate towards those types of roles and like business ventures, um, did it give you any advantages coming from that type of environment, like running your own tech company? You know, my home was very not businessy at all. Um, like the, the only thing is I remember my parents needing to run the motel, they didn't know how to do it either, but they had to because, sad story, but, like, my dad's two older brothers uh, who we came to visit passed away while we were visiting, which is why we ended up staying in America. And wow. so my dad, yeah, and so my mom and dad had to run the, the motel. Um, and so they just figured it out. So I, I, other than that, there was no, like, business ventures within at least my family. 
my family was just all like farmers or doctors. Yeah. Um, how long? How long did they do that for? Because I, I knew your dad was a practicing physician. I didn't know about that part yeah. of his story. Yeah, I mean, he had his own uh, his his own hospital in India, um, and when we came to America in '95, I want to say '96, um, probably. I mean, he had to redo his USMLE and pass the boards again and stuff to yeah. and, and then get get apply to residency programs, get into a residency program, and then start practicing. It's on like another another big like um, contributor to my mindset is like that dude never complained. What what the hell else do I have to? I can't complain about anything. Yeah. Like I gotta go figure it out. And you know, our parents had it the worst out of you know most people in our lives these days. And so I think that that part of it helps like first generation kids especially if they saw their parents working hard doing that. I think it helps kids like us just be like, oh, can't complain. Let's just do it. Yeah. This is a little tangent, but kind of related to that. Do you, like for me personally, and I've talked about this with Subruth and some of my friends, like I, I always say like our parents did well, right? Like you, you've alluded to this a few times. Now. Mm-hmm. Your parents lived a really well life, established themselves and gave you everything you wanted. Do you now feel a certain... Um, just a certain internal desire or need to have to do better than that. Like that's the bar they set. And if I don't exceed that bar, like I failed, like personally, I feel that way. Right. Like I know my dad set a good bar for himself. Oh, you do. And if I, if I feel like I don't in 30 years have done significantly better than that, um, I'll have failed. And you know, there's stories like Malcolm Gladwell about how I forget which generation of Jewish Americans really kind of like took off and, catapulted Jewish Americans to the forefront of corporate America or just in all sorts of fashions really established themselves here. And that's kind of how I think about our Indian lineage, for example. And personally, on a personal note, just my dad, when I see what he did, I feel that need. Do you you guys have that at all? I I don't feel a need to do better. Not really. What about you? Yeah, same. No, yeah, I don't, I don't feel that pressure by any means. Um, for me, I do it's... feel I do feel pressure to like be a decent person and not be a dipshit that just wastes the opportunity and like just throws his life away. At that side of the house, I definitely feel the pressure on. Sure. But not on the like I feel like I gotta do better. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's it's I feel like it's such a different like yes, we're trying to do the same thing, like get um, settled with our families, be successful and be financially comfortable. Um, but our backs aren't against the wall like theirs were, right? Like they, they, yeah. their failure, like actually looked like failure. They didn't have a suburban home to go back to. Um, so it's like their backs, I feel like are, we're definitely against the wall much harder than ours will ever be. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Why, uh, what makes you feel like you got to do better, Raj. Uh, that's interesting. I just, I feel like a lot of this stuff that we see generationally, I feel like it's compounded, right? Like if you're able to, you said this, like we are able to be free, explore and really push ourselves to do what we want because we have this cushion and support of our parents. And I feel like because I have that, like I have to make the most of that and make sure I'm kind of in a compound interest sort of way, 
that's what I take and do with what I've been allotted and given to start with. Um, so that's kind of, it's not like a huge overwhelming pressure, but that would be my goal for myself. Like I know what my dad's done for myself and I'd like to be able to say because of where he was able to help me start 30 years now down the road, I was able to compound that into something even more prolific than what he did in his adult life. Um, so yeah. that's kind of the, the mindset that I have, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I get it. It is similar. I, I, I also feel like you can't waste this opportunity. But I, for some reason, I do have the same feeling of like, um, as long as I don't waste the opportunity, whatever the results end up being, they end up being. And yeah. they could be 100xing from our parents or, you know, 1xing from our parents. But as long as I feel like I didn't waste the opportunity, the, the pressure I feel is not to waste the opportunity, not necessarily to succeed. You know what I mean? And I, I, I like that mindset. I think that's probably actually more beneficial than my mindset. Like I have that too. I don't want to waste the opportunity, but I also very much think about the end point as well. And mm-hmm. maybe sometimes it's just better to focus on the journey, making most of what we have in front of us day in and day out. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're talking and like, we have these, uh, ideas of, or like not ideas, perceptions that we have of like what being an Indian in America is. Like we mentioned hotels, gas stations, uh, doctors, engineers. Um, what do you envision people will think about this generation of Indian Americans uh, hmm. in 30 years? Like when Arlo grows up, is he going to think when he, when, when he thinks engi- like IT, does, does he think of Indians with laptops and fixing stuff? Or like, is he going to say like, no, like we could be CEOs too? Yeah, I mean, I guess Arlo in particular will see it as normal um, to be running companies because he's going to see his dad doing it, which is not good, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think I think the the mentality is changing. Like I have younger cousins that um, that are now like in undergrad or heading into undergrad, and I talk to them about what they want to do and stuff. And they literally see it as like, oh, whatever I want to. Yeah. Like they they don't even think about it as like, I'm going to go into business or I'm going to go into like, you know, being a doctor or lawyer or whatever. They're just like, I don't know. I got to figure out what I want to do and I'm going to go do it. So I think it's already the aperture has, has widened from just what we saw growing up. Yeah. That's awesome. Got I got some succession vibes there when you're talking about <laughs> Arlo seeing the CEO and running a business in his family. <laughs> Maybe I can dub the succession theme song in while you're talking about that. <laughs> I just hope he doesn't uh, end up like, fuck, I wish I knew the name of the characters more. But Which one? The old, the, there's the old one who's like the political figure, Kendall, who's like the druggie. The girl, no, the then... the dipshit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Culkin. Yeah, the Culkin. I'm blanking on his name too. That's my. That's what, probably one of my favorite characters in the show, though. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. Here, I'm looking up right now. I love Roman too. Roman's Roman's awesome. But there's uh oh, what is he? Greg. Greg. Oh, I don't want to become like the, Greg. The cousin. 
cousin. Yeah, the, the cousin. tall lanky guy. Uh, yeah, 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 the yeah. tall lanky guy. <laughs> no, Greg. Cousin Greg and Tom have like some of the best moments on the show. <laughs> That's such <laughs> a great relationship. <laughs> I'd take Roman. I think Roman might be my favorite character on the show. Yeah, there. I think Roman, Greg, and Tom are like top three for me. They're just hilarious yeah. in their own ways. <laughs> um, just uh, gonna pivot here. It's something me and Sabrina yep. have talked about in the first episode. That was just really cool to talk about and share. It was just telling, talking about our parents, like our mom, our dad, um, their stories, their marriage, uh, maybe about their parenting style, whatever you want to share about them. And uh, yeah, you know, the floor is yours. Oh man, they're the real goats. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, like the earliest memories I have are when we were in Havana like this little podunk town in central Illinois where that motel I mentioned that my parents were running because my dad's brothers passed away. Um, the earliest memories I have is from there. And, uh, and it was just like this hard work, like no time to, you know, dilly dally, like, but still super supportive vibe um, where they're like, for me and my brother, they were just like, literally anything and everything you guys want to do, as long as you're getting good grades and you're being good kids, like, we're going to make happen, even though we have, like, no money to our name. And it was that type of, like, vibe that I remember the most. They're, they're just, they're amazing. Like, my dad's one of the hardest, most focused workers I know. My mom's, like, the kindest person on the planet. And she she's, like probably an even harder worker than my dad. And, uh, and she just has like insane, infinite amounts of energy to, to, to do things for her kids, for her family, for like people around her, her friends, her community. Um, just like energizer bunny to the max. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how many like people we talk to who are first generation and they literally share that same sentiment about their parents. Really? Right? Like, I feel yeah. like me and Sabri talked about it. We hold our parents in a very similar regard. I'm sure we've had offline conversations with other friends, and I hear yeah. them all the time. Yep. I mean, even now, like, my my parents are living with us right now in Denver to help us with Arlo. And, like, freaking an hour with Arlo and I'm spent. And my mom's <laughs> out here making breakfast for all of us, hanging out with Arlo, making lunch, making dinner, cleaning up, like, just taking care of shit. And I'm like, how at this age do you still have this energy? It's unbelievable. Yeah, they were just built differently. We ain't built like that. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> That's we'll when I when I think about stuff. Hirsch is like, exactly. He's like, what time does the nanny come again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I don't get me wrong. I work my ass off to find a fantastic nanny. Uh, <laughs> But, but I, <laughs> I guess we're just expending the energy in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, they're they're the best. They're they're fantastic. One memory of that that my of my mom, she was working the front desk at the motel, and one time someone came and uh, like tricked her, and basically like took money from the cash register without her knowing. Yeah. So like they rang the doorbell. She you know she said hi, hello, whatever, and then. They were done with the conversation, so she went back into, like, the house area. Yeah. But then she realized she didn't hear the door close, like, little bell thing. So then she went back outside and noticed the cash register was open and saw the dude running. She fucking takes off after him. And she, 
runs through the like our like this backyard like big farm thing behind the motel she literally runs like just chases the dude through neighborhoods and stuff and some stranger sees her running after him gets gets her in his pickup truck and then takes it like starts following the dude they they run into a police and then they get the police involved and like just they eventually end up finding him and then the best part is like the police is like all right like you know is this the money that he stole and my mom's like yeah this is the this is the dude and then they're like okay cool but then and then she goes but don't get him in trouble like, I'm sure he didn't mean to, like, you know, he's probably just down on his luck. He probably needed it for something. I just want to yell at him, don't get him in trouble. Like, don't put him in jail. She just wanted to give him a couple slaps with her jumble. Exactly. That's the sweetest That's like, thing I've ever heard. Exactly. So, like, she's so freaking badass and so much energy to go chase that dude down. And at the end, she's just like, all right, the, you know, the sweetest, kindest heart. Even for someone who's stealing shit. That's hilarious. Do you, do you have any other like very like formidable memories like that? Things that are very uh, representative of your parents or times that you felt like very influential in your life? Another, another one comes to mind. I, I grew up going to a Gujarati medium school. And so we didn't know English early on in our, like when I was seven or eight or something. And my, one time my dad pulls me aside when we were in this, this motel in Havana. And uh, he asked me, he's like, hey, what language do you think in? Yeah. And I was like, English. Like, what are you, stupid? And he's like, all right, cool. You're going to be all right. And I just remember him just being like, okay, good. You're, you're fine. Um, and he just knew that like, as long as he can make sure that I'm thinking in English, like I'm going to be okay. Um. And that, that's like a memory that, that just always comes back. That's so what funny. <laughs> There's one yeah, he's just I... got... Go ahead. He just got this wisdom about him. Yeah. He just simplifies things into the most simple thing. He's like, I don't even know if he's doing good in school. I don't even know how he's like, whether he's got friends or anything. But like, yeah. if he's thinking in English, he'll be okay. That's funny. Uh, I talk about one of these stories on the first episode, but basically... My dad, when I was in high school, we went to like this vocational career school for like a day. It was a field trip. I came back. This is a long story short. Basically, I came back with uh, like intrigued by the idea of being an electrical engineer or something like that. I'm like, oh, it seems like a cool job. You make $70,000. And I told my dad. And then like a week later, um, he sat me down, made an Excel spreadsheet. And he's like, all right, let's talk about the costs of life. He's like, how much do you think we pay on this house every month? And he's like, puts it in column. He's like, what about these cars? What about food? What about insurance? What about utilities? What about your sports? What about school? Like just runs it down. And he's like, how much do you think you're going to spend on entertainment? I'm like a high schooler who only goes bowling. So I like underball. I'm like a hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, like I don't need, like I don't know about bottle service or anything. And then he breaks it down and it comes out to like a six figure salary at that like conservative estimate. Yeah. Um, which was kind of eye opening for me. That's awesome. And then another one that I actually just thought of was he, uh, when it was ACT and he's like, he knew like what a big kind of milestone that is, right? Like doing well on your ACT opens a lot of doors for college. So he's like, I bet you, if you get 32 or more, I will buy you a car. And that was like the bet that he made to me. <laughs> yeah. Dang. So sure enough, he I knew the value of it. Yeah. Like he bet a fucking car on that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he, I mean, that's so, that's so badass. He probably knew, like, okay, if he gets over at 32, he's, you know, he's made it. He's, yeah. like, he's going to be fine in life. So a car is totally, it's like chump change for guaranteeing that your kid's going to do well. <laughs> or he thought it was a really easy bet, and I, he didn't believe it. <laughs> I'll have to go back and ask him that one of these days. So, um... Was there a point in in your like childhood growing up where where you realized that like your upbringing, your family life was quote unquote different from what you'd see? Yeah, it was like pretty early because um, when like we we lived in this little town, uh, we were the only Indian people in the whole town, and so all my friends were white. Every time I went to like hang out with friends at their houses, like everything's different. Um, they like call their parents mom and dad or sometimes by their first name and like just everything was like so different (laughs) (laughs) so it was like really early on probably age like seven or eight that I realized like oh we're Indian and this is what it means to be Indian are there specific examples or like memories you can recall where you're like oh yeah that was a time I felt we're different but in a good way different yeah something as simple as eating meals together like to me, when it, when we would think about like dinner time, it was always like, all right, I gotta go home. Like this wasn't even a question. It was like, I'm gonna go home so we can have darbashak roti for dinner. <laughs> and like I remember, um, we would have friends over at our place sometimes, and it was dinner time, and like they just would like, it didn't, it wasn't the same for them. It wasn't like I gotta get home to my parents and the family because we do their dinner thing every night. They they would just hang out. And I didn't even need to ask their parents whether they could stay for dinner. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, what? do they not give a shit about you? And pro- in hindsight, like, it probably was that, like, maybe they didn't have a, maybe their parents didn't, like, I don't know, give as many shits about their kids as our parents do. I got a funny story. So, like, um, after school, um, I lived walking distance to my elementary and junior high So, like, the friends in my neighborhood, like, the block that I lived on, we'd, like, walk together. And these were, like, my childhood really close friends because I'd see them every day. But after school, I typically go to my friend Matt's house. And um, we just play, hang out. And then his mom would call in at, like, 5, 5.30. Like, it's supper time. Like, everyone, like, come in. And in my head, I was like, yo, they eat a meal in between lunch and dinner. They have supper. <laughs> so then I used to grab supper at Matt's house and then go home. And then if I was hungry, I'd have dinner too. I was like, yo, this is amazing. They lived What you mean, live a if good you were life. hungry? <laughs> yeah. That explains a lot here. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the same. <laughs> uh, I, I, learned, I learned pretty quickly that it wasn't like a meal in between. It's just a different name. But it made me think of that for some reason. <laughs> That was one. And then the other one was like, um, Swadhyay was a big deal, at least. Yeah. In, in hindsight, I'm like, damn, like, that was the real deal for having a great community for kids. Um, so I didn't realize that until after Swadhyay, or I guess after, you know, sometime in my 20s or something like that. I didn't realize how good it was that our parents took us to Swadhyay every week, that we, like, that, the fact that we're friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, all goes back to that. And so that was, that was another moment of realization. That one didn't come till later. Yeah. I always think about what a big boon that was, regardless of like what I got or didn't get out of the Swadhyay part of itself. Like we just had this amazing community and like 
to this day, so many of my best friends are literally from yeah. Swadia. Um, you just had your first kid, obviously. We just referenced Arlo. Uh, he's less than a year old, mm-hmm. right? Um, no, he's he's over a year now. He's 14 months. 14 oh, months. 14 yeah. months. Shoot, my bad, man. <laughs> no, I would not expect you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a kid. There's so many things that before I had kids, now I realize like how stupid I was. Uh, and it's just like, you don't, you don't, there's no reason to remember how many months old someone's kid is until it's your own kid. And then it matters. But before that, whatever. Yeah, I appreciate that. So he's somewhere between the zero and three range. Precisely. (laughs) That's all that matters. You know, being able to reflect on your parents' parenting style and kind of what they did that worked well for you, maybe things that they didn't do that didn't work so well. What things do you think you'll use that you got from your parents? And then what things do you think you learned from them that you'll try to maybe avoid? There's a lot here because me and Moni talk about this all the time these days. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and we realize my my parents parented me and my brother very differently than Moni's parents parented them. Sure. Uh, and, and so, like, for for my parents, like they actually were not very involved at all. Like they never talked to us about anything, like anything serious, like that conversation you're talking about, Raj, with your dad, like yeah, no, nothing like that. They just kind of like, but the benefit of that was they let us live our lives. Like they, by not talking about stuff, it kind of reinforced that whatever was stupid stuff was going on at school is just not important. Hmm. You know? Yeah. And I didn't realize that. Like, in some ways, it's good to not ask, like, how was your day at school? Like, what did this kid do? What did that kid do? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. Because, like, it's not important. Like, yeah. you know, the, the more you, if, if you were to ask, like, oh, you know, who are you friends with? Or, like, did your friend do this, that? Or what did, you know, all that stuff was, it, by not talking about it, it wasn't important. And in, that, in some cases, that was good. And the only thing they would ask about is our grades. And I was like, oh, shit, that's important? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure that goes good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's there's good and bad to that. The good is that you, you clarify what's important and what's not important. The bad is that you're left, you leave your kids to fend for themselves to figure out life. And there's so many things that I'm like, ah, damn, it would have been so much easier if we just had a conversation. Like, you guys just gave me a heads up. Like, like uh, the birds and-, and the bees talk? Or are you talking about? <laughs> no, just <laughs> What are we talking about here? God, I would have crawled into my own skin if my parents talked about that. Did, wait, did you guys have that? My mom did it with me twice. It was terrible. Oh, <laughs> God. My dad oh, gave my me God. a warning um, before college. He's like, it's a very intimate thing. And when you, when you, do, this, when you do that action, you, you give a piece of your heart to, uh, to the person you're sleeping with. Dang. So by the time you're ready to give your wife your whole heart, you won't be able to. Were you what making eye contact during this time? Yeah, or were I, was you just like <laughs> I was trying to get the hell out of the room as quick as possible. Yeah. But then, like, as I got old, I was like, damn, that's some wise shit. Like, that, that's, that's yeah. it. <laughs> no, they didn't talk to us about that. I, I'm talking, like, the the, fi- the financial stuff is, is a good example. Yeah. Um, or even, like, uh, there's some stuff about how you're being treated at school, like, how you what kind of friend you should be like at a very young age. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like three, four, five, six years old or something like th- you can kind of 
by asking the right questions, I think you can indicate to your kid what's important and maybe even help them through, like, if you're being bullied at school, like identifying that and, um, and helping think through what to do. Yeah. Uh, or if you're feeling left out at school, like helping think through what to do in that situation. Um, and there's the, 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 what do you call it? Something in the bees? The birds and the bees. Birds and the bees. Birds and the bees. That's right. The birds and the bees thing. A funny story on that one, by the way. The only birds and bees conversation I've ever had uh, was with my dad. It wasn't even a conversation. It was sixth grade. We had, it was in sex ed, and I had to get a parent's signature on, like, a fucking packet of uh, sex ed material. <laughs> but I was like, drawing a dick. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, no chance in hell I'm, I'm, I'm doing anything other than forging this shit. So I just, like, I... <laughs> Forged every single page of it, and, and then my teacher called me out on it, and like, and so they like they made me go get it um, again, and then my my and then she was like, yeah, I'm gonna ask your dad to actually call me when he's signing this shit, and I was like, oh, you just ruined my life, like come on, <laughs> and uh, and I remember I ended up going home and like reviewing the packet with my dad. And I was like dying the entire time. We get to, and he he tells me I got one of the answers wrong. And I was like, "What are you talking about? Like, I got, all these are right answers. Like, I know they're right." And the question was like, um, "Is something on the lines like, what's the best way to like prevent from getting pregnant if you're having sex?" And, and uh, I the answer was like, "Use protection." So yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is the answer." And my dad's like, "No, abstinence." <laughs> Don't have, that's that's the right answer. <laughs> and I was like, Dad, I think you're wrong, but like, uh, whatever you say, dude. <laughs> and so he had to like sign, and then we sat there on the phone talking to my my teacher about this particular question because, of course, he goes and asks like, "Oh, is, like, what's the answer to this one?" I'm like, "Oh my God, this is the worst day of my life." That was the closest we ever got to talking about it, and it was just that one question. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. But of course, like, it goes from don't say a word about anything girls or sex or anything related straight to, like, when you guys having kids. Yep. I'm like, what the? Anything in between? Nothing? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm that kind of stuff, that. like, yeah. That, that kind of stuff is stuff me and Moni want to talk to Arlo about and, like, if we have more kids, talk to all of our kids about. Yeah. What is Moni's parenting? Like, what is, how does her thoughts on what you guys should do differ from some of the things that you just mentioned in terms of like giving them space or de-emphasizing she, things you don't important. She, yeah, she wants to talk to kids about everything. Okay. And her and I disagree on this topic. Um, Cause I'm like, no, like if we ask about everything, then everything is important even the little shit. And so we should, we should let kids live their lives, like solve their own problems instead of asking them about everything and kind of like babying them through everything. Yeah. Um, but her instinct is like, I want to talk to my kids cause my parents never talked to me. And so I want to talk to my kids about everything. That's, that's kind of where we differ. Interesting. Let's be real. We're going to end up talking to our kids about everything. I'm sure. 
<laughs> can't help it ultimately, right? Or at yeah, least can't she help is. it. Unless, yeah. And she is. I'm not going to win that it won't. Be, it won't be you guys that decide. It'll be the kid that decides. You're like, yeah, I don't really feel like talking about it. And that'll be that. <laughs> like, right. You'll be like, how was your day right. at school? You'll start getting the good or the two-word answers. And you'll be like, okay, I guess we're not talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I, I was going to say, I also want to talk to my kids about like career stuff, like what they can do. Mm-hmm. And so like, and th- this, I think this was missing from school and from, at least our upbringing is exposure to all the different things. Um, yeah. And, uh, and the pros and cons and just like literally watching and shadowing different jobs and different roles and what people do. Yeah. That's something I'm, I'm passionate about personally. And I so think figure we, out what they do. we now have like a wealth of experience about that, right? Like we know so much about what exists beyond the typical career paths that might've been, you know, suggested or predefined for us. Yeah. And I think almost our parents just didn't have that wealth of experience. They didn't know what existed beyond like five, six good, valuable, respective, financially stable jobs. And right. they didn't know the myriad of ways you could be happy, be successful and have all those things align. I just don't think that existed. So be, consequentially, we never, we never got that discussion. We never got that talk. So yeah, I think our kids are definitely yeah. going to, hundred percent benefit from that. Just us having such a broader exposure to all this. Totally. So, I mean, staying on the, on the topic of kids, right? How, how are your kids going to know that they're Indian? Oh man. I don't know. Like I'm forgetting schlokes. Yeah. I'm forgetting yeah. shit. Like <laughs> I don't celebrate very many holidays. I'm also not very religious and like, yeah. In some cases, like being Indian is a lot of parts of it is, is being Hindu. Yeah. Um. So I worry about that one. Um. But I also think like it's me a hot take. There's value in them not knowing. Like there's there's value in them. I know. Let's like, peel that course. onion, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like um. Specific, this this is specifically about religion, the, the religious aspect of being Indian. Okay. <clears throat> um, like, uh, more hot takes incoming. Uh, Do it. I, I think uh, most religions are just ways to teach good behaviors. Agree. But, but through lies. And you can teach good behaviors through truths. And through examples. And so I think it's okay to teach kids, not teach kids religion, not have them be Hindu or Christian or whatever, um, and still make them be good kids. Uh, and therefore, maybe they feel less Indian. And that's okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I get well, I'm that. I'm taking I, it in, yeah. I, I I get that sentiment. What I wanted to go back and ask, you said most religions are based on lies. Some people would say that's blasphemous. Religion is true. <laughs> like, totally. Like, that's why it's a hot take. Yeah, okay. Take, so yeah. like you're just saying the whole the stories of religion, just things you don't necessarily believe to be true. You just assume they're all kind of mythological or that's a, like in that realm of stories and from that values, commandments, all, behavioral philosophies are all derived from those fictitious tales, essentially. Yes. And that there's, 
I'm not saying there's nothing bad about it. I'm sorry. I'm not saying there's nothing good about it. Yeah. Like there's certainly lots of good about it. But where it gets bad is when someone offends any of those religious characters that someone was brought up feeling like was, you know, the end all be all or super holy and super untouchable. Um, that's where conflicts arise. Yeah. And, and I'm just saying, you don't need, you don't need that. You don't need to create, to, to teach them something that is conf- that could be conflictful and you can still get the same points across. I respect that. Um, that's a very logical way yeah. of putting it. Yeah, I completely respect that. I think that makes yeah. a ton of sense. Hirsch Patel yeah, does not believe Hanuman jumped right, from well, India we're gonna to ed- Sri Lanka. We're gonna edit. <laughs> Yo, I talked to. We're gonna edit this down to make it seem like a very hot take. All the explanations. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Bring it. I don't give a shit. Cancel me, motherfuckers. Let's go. Um, it's about time we had some haters, huh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if there's haters that means they're talking about me at least right you're doing something right um, i was talking to my dad about the hanuman thing and <laughs> i was approaching it from like oh here's an example like no duh no one can jump 50 miles and he was like that happened and i was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like you see michael jordan jump from the free throw line <laughs> Well, Hanuman yeah. did that from 50 yards. <laughs> yeah. And it was such a, it was, I was mind blown because I was trying to use it as an example of like, here's why I believe, like maybe it's some other ways are good. And we went down this like 30 minute rabbit hole of like, oh fuck, my dad is like, you know, every word of every thing in the religion is real. And I'm yeah. like, oh God, I did not realize that. And that's one of the things that I'm like... <laughs> If someone were to offend his beliefs in that way, um, it would instigate things. Yeah. And I'm like, how unnecessary. Like, we didn't need to ingrain a Hanuman story in every kid's head to believe, to, to make the kids good. And now we've created this thing that can be potentially full of conflict. So why not just not do that and still teach kids good good morals and good behaviors? Yeah. And you could do it through, like, 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 recent history even like you could teach them about how mahatma gandhi was good in xyz way or michael jordan had great qualities in xyz way and and uh it's like you if you can do it through that maybe you should yeah, yeah. i mean human examples of of good is a good place yeah. to start yeah right. and bad like you don't need rakshas yeah. to explain how something's bad yeah, it makes it a little more, makes it a little more impressionable though. In a young kid, but, yeah. you have that like Rakshas like as the example of bad. You you really you know you're like you're not gonna go pillage yeah. and rape women after you hear those stories. You know that's bad. <laughs> Yo, hopefully you can find a way to teach your kids not to do that anyway, Rakshas. But, uh, <laughs> but I get it. <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, but I do think it's it's important for kids to develop an identity. Yeah. Right, like our like p- part of our identity is that we're Indian and that makes us X Y and we fit into a community of people, yeah. Um, and that that's all good stuff. So I think it's important to find what that identity is for our generation. Yeah. Um. Anyways, um, to pivot a little bit, this goes back to I know your dad or you said your parents always 
always kind of emphasized your grades in school. And you've always been yeah. obviously a very smart guy. I know you've done well in school, college, and life beyond that. Was there was there an expectation from your parents that was the primary re- was that the primary reason that you were being, you know, that you felt the need to excel in school, or was there something, something intrinsically, or were there was there other factors? Kind of what was driving that, and not just in school, kind of in your career and yeah. kind of everything afterwards. Yeah, so I, I actually wasn't a fantastic student. I was probably above average. Okay. I probably averaged like A minus B, B plus range. So not like the best of the best, but also not like straight C, somewhere in between. <clears throat> um, and uh, I think it started with that implicit expectation from parents to do good in school. But then I think it just evolved into like, like if you're going to do something, why not do a good job? Yeah. Um, and it, the, the greatest example of it that like it really internalized for me in undergrad where there's a class that I actually failed like literal F um, and it's because I was like oh I'm going to do the parts that I think are fantastic about this class and I'm not going to do the parts that I didn't want to do <laughs> and I was okay with that <laughs> um, and so I crushed it in some aspects but those aspects didn't lead to a passing grade um, what class was this? Uh, it was social justice. So which parts did and... you not care about? <laughs> which parts did you care about? <laughs> I, I cared about reading all the books and participating in discussions in class. Okay. Uh, I didn't care about doing any of the homework assignments. <laughs> and the... Uh, and, like one of the it was the easiest homework assignment like one of them was like keep a journal every day and write in it every day and by the end of the semester your journal needs to be full yeah and so like i didn't do any of that and like the last day i was sitting there just writing bullshit words trying to get pages to fill up and i was like i i can't i'm not gonna do it i spent like 30 minutes and and uh i even had moni help me like write stuff she'll remember this too and then ultimately i was just like fuck it like what's the point um, but that was like a really good encapsulation of what I learned later, which is like, do good if you're going to do something and you like care about it. Um, and it's like, it's fine if the other, it's, if you don't do good in the other stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. But it, I think it all, a lot of it also came from my brother, uh, who's four years older and he would also keep me in check on my grades and stuff probably because my parents would tell him to, I don't know. And so, and my brother is a fantastic student, like A plus straight through. And so I was always trying to like live up to that. And so I I think my brother also had a lot to do with making me want to do good in school, just like him. Gotcha. Okay. All right, Bubs, you want to pivot? Yeah, let's pivot here. Um, I kind of changed the topic to girls, girlfriends, and that dynamic Uh-oh. growing up in an Indian home. So, uh, first girlfriend, when did when did that happen? And did you tell your parents? Holly, second grade, didn't tell my parents, but I'm sure they knew. Second grade. <laughs> yep. I don't even think I knew English. <laughs> that that reminds me of a story. I I had a like a you know whatever first grade girlfriend, and she gave me one of those wallet size picture strips of her to put in my backpack. 
And my mom was like, oh, oh dang. Mom. She found that like a week later in my backpack and sat me down, oh. in, front, sat me down in front of God, <laughs> asked me about <laughs> I gave that shit back to her and I like didn't talk to her the rest of the year. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> well, <laughs> me, me and Holly would just call each other after school on our landline that all of us used yeah. and so like guaranteed her parents are listening to us my parents are listening to us but they just didn't say anything and i'm sure we had nothing to talk about either it was like yeah, second grade I can't even imagine what second graders are talking about so, <laughs> right w- when did you become comfortable telling your parents about or talking to them about girls like was it like i'm ready to propose and that was the first time or when did this evolution yeah happening oh really it was yeah it really was it was like i don't even like I don't think we ever talked about girlfriends. I don't. I don't even think I've ever said the word girlfriend to my mom. Damn. To this day. Wow. Um, my dad wasn't touching it with a ten foot pole. Like he just <laughs> didn't. <laughs> um, he it never asked my mom if anyone. My dad didn't I ask mean, me anything. Yeah. Yeah, your dad didn't ask about anything not important. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hirsch has a one-page list of the ten questions he's asked him in his life. <laughs> he's like, these are the ten I will ask Arlo. <laughs> yeah. Everything else, fuck it. <laughs> Let the man live. But yeah, I, I don't even think... Um, I'm trying to think about when... I should remember this, but I don't even remember telling my parents about Moni. Hmm. Well, I have a... I remember talking to Moni's parents about whether you know if i could yeah have, her hand in marriage uh, mo- her hand in marriage yeah but not to my parents <laughs> i remember a funny story you telling me once it was basically during abhishek your brother's wedding you and monica had been dating i don't know if you were engaged at that point or not but then it was like i don't think so it was uh it was time for family pictures and you guys, you guys were navigating oh. that. can you tell can you tell the people that story because i love that story i thought that was hilarious yeah, yeah. Again, my dad, man, a few words, but they 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 count when he when he says them. Um, <laughs> it was yeah. So me and Moni were dating, and uh, it was like you know family pictures after the wedding. Everyone wants to make sure you get every single snapshot of all the different combinations of people. <laughs> and Moni was like, "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> Moni was like, "Hey, should I come in or should I not?" And I was like, "Yeah, just hop in, like whatever." Um, to like the family picture with my brother and his and his wife, now ex. Um, I was like, Moni was like, no, you should probably like ask your parents. And I was like, okay. And so like we went up to my dad and I was like, hey dad, like what do you you know, uh, what do you think about Moni being in the pictures? And maybe even Moni asked. And my dad turns to Moni and he's like, you can be in the picture, but I don't like breakups. <laughs> and it was like, just that. And Moni's like, oh, fuck. Uh, I guess I'm deciding right now <laughs> whether we're getting married or not at some point. <laughs> she hopped into the picture, and uh, and the rest is history. You proposed the next day, obviously, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was my proposal. That was my way of telling them. That, yeah. um, uh, that's amazing. So, so, yeah. so growing up... Um, what kind of trouble did you get into? Did you ever get into trouble? Yeah. Um, the the <laughs> the biggest one was with Sagar and Ravi. 
fucking rubby um, instigator. Uh, he taught us how to shoplift. <laughs> you speak of that like it's like some like life skill. Like he taught me how to cut onions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, hey, let's be real. Did you guys ever shoplift? Yeah, a couple. Yeah. Don't, 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 you don't need to think about it. I know you don't need to think about it. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> Rubby's dumbass, like me, me, Rubby, and Sagar are hanging out, and Rubby's like, yo, guys, check this out. And he's just fucking, we're at the mall, and you just like take something. And we're like, what? You can just do that. And he was like, yeah. And so we went, we were, we were just doing it. And then, like, we walk out of one store, and there's a cop waiting there. And we're like, you know, hearts just fucking drop. Yeah. And it was just, and um, in hindsight, the cop was great because he just scared us and didn't do anything else. Um, like made us give the clothes back and scared us and didn't even like tell our parents actually. Yeah. Uh, I know it was, that guy's real deal. Shout out to that cool. cop. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to that cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he like put us in the cop car, took us to the police station. Like he did all oh, the yeah. right things. To make sure we never get in trouble again. <laughs> um, <laughs> he even was like, I think he was like, I forget, I think it was me and Ravi that were there and Sagar was going to get the car or something. Sagar wasn't there. And uh, he was like, where's your third friend? And we're like, oh God, he's, he's going to get the car. And he's like, I want you guys to call him and tell him to come here. And so we call him, tell Sagar, like, Hey, uh, the cops are asking us for you to come here. And Cyrus like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he gets sufficiently scared. And uh, anyway, that that's the that's one of the times that I got in trouble as a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there one that's like this was definitely like the most trouble I've ever gotten into? Like the most pissed my parents have ever been at me? Because none of these your parents know about yet. Hopefully, they still don't. Uh, hopefully they're not listening to this. <laughs> None of you assholes tell them. What about uh, drinking? When did you first start drinking, partying? Was that something you talked about with your parents? Did not talk about it with my parents. The first time that I drank in front of them was at my brother's wedding, and I just was drinking a beer in front of my parents, and that's it. We never even talked about it. I just looked at my dad and drinking a beer, and that was it. Were you of age at that time? Yeah, yeah. I oh. think I was like 25, 26 or something. Holy shit. Yeah, dude, this is late. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I started I started drinking like um, junior, no, sophomore year of undergrad. I, wanted, I didn't even drink freshman year. Yeah. But yeah, dude, I wasn't out there like some parents encouraging their kids to be drinking in high school, Mr. Raj Patel. <laughs> Are you saying my parents were encouraging me to drink in high school, or I will be the parent encouraging others to drink in high school? The latter. No, I was take. Yeah, the latter. Yeah. You, you think you will? Party house. That's funny. Yeah, exactly. My kids come to your house. I know they're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're the cool parents. We're the cool parents here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a, it's I I think of fun. you as the as the cool kid, cool parent vibe. <laughs> It's actually funny you say that, Hirsch, because like ever since I've turned of age or like Raj's dad knows I drink, 
anytime I come over, like, he's going to offer me some tequila. No. He's like, hey, come on. He wants it. Because he knows I love tequila, right? So he's like, this guy likes it, so I'm going to share it with him. And then he always That's cool, like, though. No, no, no. I, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to come off as that's bad. I, that's awesome. I wish yeah, that I wish my dad would do that. Like that's I that's always awesome. think about that. It's like I wish I could crack open a beer with my dad, but he'd rather like just pray together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is cool. It's awesome. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an awesome dynamic to see. Um, I'm gonna pivot here. I wanted to ask you about this. I I think obviously I yeah. I mentioned earlier. I gave you an example of something you said that made me think of Kobe Bryant and. You know, one of my sports icons is Kobe Bryant, and I, I just derived so much from kind of that quote unquote Mamba mentality, and not just how it applied to basketball, but how it applied to life, appreciating the journey, making the most of each day, how you circumvent obstacles, things like that. So, and to me, like he 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 grew up, and his twenty years of his career kind of coincided with me growing up. So, kind of like seeing him go through his ups and downs, like. Becoming, uh, you know, after the Shaq breakup and then being a villain and then yeah. coming back to winning championships. Like, it kind of parallel, like, a lot of those ups and downs paralleled my life and, like, struggles that I would have. So I just, like, had an even stronger affinity for it because there was just so many parallels yeah. between what was happening in his career and what was happening in my life. Did you have anyone like that? Like, sports icon, other icon, etc.? There, there's three people that come to mind. Good. Um... And there, it's not anything like it's my parents. I I often think about how like I literally have nothing to complain about, and any any challenge I'm facing, I'm like, this is pipsqueak. This is like doesn't fucking matter compared to what I saw my parents go through. And so I I like you know nothing to com- can't complain. Um, and then the, the third person is Sean. Uh, like I see Sean's you know mentality his like positive attitude um even with all the difficulties that that he faces and i'm like damn like that's real like that's uh that that's inspirational and so i i i actually like you can ask moni i I talk about this uh a lot but i um it's yeah, that's those are the three people I yeah. think about most often. What I think about like needing inspiration or or needing motivation to do something, because um, every difficult situation that I feel like I ever face in life pales in comparison to um, those three people and what they yeah. go through and still have a positive attitude about. Damn, Sean, Sean is a great example. That's probably someone I should think about more from that standpoint. Um, yeah, he, he's one of our best friends. He was one of the co-founders for Maker Square. But Sean, I don't think he'd mind me saying a little bit about it. But he, yeah. he was born with like a very rare corneal condition. He's essentially blind in one eye because of it. He's had corneal transplants there, like most recently, just like a month ago. Um, he's had his bouts with kind of mental health issues in his twenties, and you know, through all of this, he he's just such a still charismatic positive guy great to talk to and like he hasn't lost you know he hasn't lost himself he's still like sean shy he's always still hustling grinding and uh mm-hmm. yeah i don't know driven around a soccer ball <laughs> yeah i'm just like if if like 
Because I, I can tell you for a fact, I would not be as good of a person as he is if I was in the same, uh, if I had the same challenges that he did. I just know that. Um, and so I respect the shit out of it. And I've, and I like think about it as inspiration a lot. So th- those are the three that I consistently, like anytime I'm, I'm like really facing a challenge, those are the three that just kind of pop in my head generally. Yeah. But um, I do also take a lot from a lot of different people from like a learning from them perspective. I, I could name a bunch, but it's literally like, Moni was telling me the, this the other day. She was like, dude, one of your best qualities is that you will find something great about every individual that you meet and then you'll want to add that to your repertoire. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I mean, not to be corny, but like you guys too. Uh, and like, there's just, there's something great about everyone. And so I, I, I like use that as, you know, inspiration and motivation to, uh, to add that to my like tool belt or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Feel, feel free to get specific. You know, yeah. we don't mind compliments. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. I just... appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, but some of my favorite, uh, <laughs> the more, more hot takes incoming, Elon, I think, is fantastic. Use that as inspiration. Yeah. Steve Jobs, fantastic. Yep. Um, uh, Steph Curry, fantastic. A um, lot to learn from KD as well, just his love for the game. Okay. fantastic sports sports is big for me like there's there's so many narratives of people's challenges and stuff that yeah. you can learn from and get inspiration from okay I, I have a story about about uh a kobe uh for you for you raj oh yeah please uh, well it's not about you it's, it's it's not about kobe it's it's something i was going to give you uh-huh. and then i i indian gave it back to myself <laughs> I, don't, I probably can't say that these days. It's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I bought this NFT, um, and it's part of the uh, Board Ape Yacht Club collection. It's, it's the uh, Board Ape Kennel Club. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, yeah, this. Yeah, I do know that one. Um, and I bought this. I saw this dog, uh, this the Board Ape Kennel Club dog, yeah. that, had, that had a basketball on it and a and Kobe-colored headband. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I'm getting Roger this for his wedding, and uh, and so I bought it. By the time your wedding rolled around, <laughs> by the time your wedding rolled around, this shit's worth like thirty grand. I was like, I can't give him a thirty thousand dollar gift. What the fuck? Yeah, I do. Gave me now because that I'll be like, yo, I got shortchanged here now. (laughs) I wish you, I wish I could uh, share the share screen, but like, I got it right here. It's in my wallet. It's it's still (laughs) chilling. But I was like, Moni, like, I maybe I should still just give it. She was like, No, like, you can't give someone a like thirty thousand dollar gift at the end of the day. (laughs) So. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll take that up with Moni. That's hilarious. Well, I appreciate the thought. Yeah. I appreciate the thought. What, what about you? Oh, Sunday? for sure. I, I don't think I've ever really asked you about the yeah. sports icons. Um, I mean, I, I, huge into sports, specifically Chicago teams. Um, 
fortunate enough to like have hazy memories of the 90s bulls so my dad actually made it a priority to like take us out to a few games so it was always co- cool to see uh jordan in the flesh um but to me like someone else on that team really stuck out um and as an individual they were like really awesome but they never really got the limelight like jordan that was pippin um and it yeah. may be because my brother always picked that he was Jordan in the driveway, and I was like, all right, who's the second best? Pippen. Yeah. But, like, push comes to shove. Like, he's an all-time great, and he quietly did what he had to do, um, accomplished a great ton, and uh, is looked at as a top 50 player now, right? Uh, still, I believe. So it, it's, it just goes to show that, like, you don't need all that glory, and I really like – uh, I like that about Pippen, where it's like, no matter how much press I'm going to get, no matter how many stats I'm going to break, um, I'm responsible for this. I'm going to do this at the best of my ability uh, and help the team. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I like Pippen a lot growing up. Um, and then obviously, I, I mean, I have the same, not as much as you, but definite respect for Kobe. Kobe was awesome. Uh, I actually transitioned after the Bulls. Uh, Bulls 90s reign to to the Lakers. Um, and it wasn't because of Kobe. It was because of Shaq. Um, it was like a fellow big boned agile man that like <laughs> dominated the paint. Like I saw myself in him. You know, I was like, yeah, if he can move sure. like that, I can move like that. Yeah. Um, but then like being so infatuated with Shaq, like it's Kobe's hard to miss. Uh, so then my like love grew for Kobe. Like once Shaq like started going away, um. I was actually always Team Kobe during that rift that they had, um, like b- back and forth. Yep. Of like it's my team, yeah. So, um, uh, and then I kind of switched to Kobe there. So I think like those three um, really highlight my like childhood like heroes. Okay. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're almost, we're pretty much wrapping up here. We got a couple things left. Actually, one thing that on a tangent I wanted to ask you I've been, I've been you know I've been thinking about it a lot the last few weeks for whatever I'm like oh this would be a cool thing to ask Hirsch but personally you know like I just started my attending job my first job out of fellowship and all that and you know there's this at least personally I feel like there's this uh, strong urge and impetus to really start like uh, just making sure I'm doing as well as possible for myself you know maximizing streams of revenue, all, like all of that. Like I'm very much thinking about that, you know, I'm 32 and uh, yeah. you know, we're probably going to have a kid. Let's talk about having a kid soon. And you just start thinking about those things. How, how did you stay patient during like that, that teach for America maker square kind of when there was just, you weren't certain about where any of this was going to go. Right. Like you had no idea whether it was going to mm-hmm. pan out. That was, that was, that was three, four years. Like I go to med school for three, four years to me, at least I know, okay, sure. I do this. There's a guaranteed outcome there. If I put my head down, study, do well, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a guaranteed something. How did you stay patient, stay optimistic, like during that time period? Cause I feel like I just wouldn't have dealt as well. Yeah. I got to admit it. It wasn't intentional to like, I didn't, I wasn't like, I got to stay patient here. I think the benefit was that I didn't know any better. Like, I just didn't know, like, I think, I guess it was that security blanket Yeah. of, like, knowing that I could go to med school and make 100K, 200K, 300K, whatever it ends up being. And that's, like, even though I wasn't there, I was, like, that's my floor, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so everything else, like, I was, like, okay, it doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank account or how much money I'm making right now, like, 
let me just build cool stuff and some I don't in 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 a very naive way honest it was not a very like intentional thing I, yeah. in a very naive way I was like ah, it'll work out <laughs> so but but I think what that allowed me to do is take risks yeah risks are what end up returning outsized returns if they work if they don't you get outsized losses um, but I kind I still think about things in that way like I have the like mentally I'm like okay here's how much money I know I definitely don't want to lose so it's just gonna go to like super safe stuff and the rest I'm like let's let it ride baby yeah uh, and letting it ride could either mean put it like invested into something super risky uh, or it could mean buy myself time to work on something super risky right yep uh i think about risk like uh capital in, in both of those ways um and so that's what i would do because we're all young we all have our floor we know the the like if you really wanted to you could make you know 100k or something and you could live off of it yeah like your life wouldn't be maybe as good as it is today but you know you can live off of it, and that's fine. And therefore, everything else is gravy. And use that gravy to to make outsized bets, either on yourself or on assets uh, that are that are risky. I like that. Appreciate I I'm that. also yeah. think, I, I uh, like it just got me thinking. But it also also goes back to like your goal, right? Like Raj, like you have that expectation of yourself that you have to exceed what your parents have done, right? So, like, you have, like, an internal clock that's ticking. It's like, all right, when my dad was this age, this is what he was doing. So I feel like you may be putting that pressure on yourself. Uh, yeah. So it's just like... Uh, and I might be... It could I, be I, limiting that's, you. That's that's tough to... It's I, I agree. It probably is to an extent. Um, it's tough to shed. But I think that's yeah, probably something sure. I just do no doubt. to work on and think about. So I was just curious. Yeah. I mean, that's your hustle too. That, that's what like truly make like the mammal mentality, right? Like I gotta, I gotta go out. Gotta yeah. Go yeah. That also, ain't nothing it, it also ain't nothing wrong. drives me. There's a certain element of drive that comes yeah. from that too. So it, it works in good and bad ways, I guess. In short, I think the patience comes from just knowing that you have a floor. For sure. And so that's it. Okay. All right. Yeah. To close here, one last question. Uh, what, what do you say makes you Indian? I know you said you're not too religion, but you're obviously still Indian. What what makes you Indian today? Um, it's a great question. I think it's probably like family values. Yeah. And uh, it, and it's I actually think it's specifically Gujarati. You know, there's this like vibe of grit and hard work and like tenacity and persistence that's associated at least with my identity of being Guju. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what that's what makes me Indian. Dope. And I do I do like I think there's like the traditions of as much as I, I kind of over indexed on the not liking it aspect earlier in this conversation, I think I, I still do identify with like celebrating Diwali or Holi or, you know, wearing like Indian clothes, going to Garba, like listening to, you know, Hindi music and watching Hindi movies and shit like that, that I feel like makes me Indian. Okay. Do you guys celebrate Diwali in your household? 
my mom makes sure makes sure we do. Yeah. Did anyone so, like if it was up? Go ahead, go ahead. If it was up to me and Moni, like maybe we'd like we'd put on a, put on something and say like Mata or something, like whatever we know. Yeah. And do a little devo, and that's it. But like our parents make sure we do. What were you gonna say? Uh, we were talking. We were talking about this in the first episode, and one of the funny stories. I was like going back to religion and what made you realize you're different. Remember the swastikas that we draw as part of Hindu religion? (laughs) Well, my my friends used to come over during Diwali and be like, what the fuck is that? Did you ever have that experience? None of them said it to me, but I I like had a reflection moment once I learned about the actual, like, uh, not the actual, I guess the actual one is is ours. Yeah. for like the Nazi symbol, and I was like, "Damn, we just got away with this like every year. Like no one said anything. <laughs> we, they didn't want to sure mess with it. We didn't fit the prototype. Yeah. Or German Nazi or probably Yeah, they're like, God, these 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 fucking clowns. Like they can't they can't hurt a fly. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, so uh, closing us out, uh. Wanted to do a quick rapid fire uh, session. So it's we have a list of questions. We want to go through them really quick. Um, and the okay. first thing that pops into your head, uh, feel free to answer. And then I'll go to the next question. You ready? Yep. All right, let's do it. Favorite Indian movie? Oh, um, Three Idiots. Yes, sir. Nice. Good, good <laughs> one. Um, when was the last time you went to a Gerba? Last year. Okay. Favorite in Denver. Indian My food? mom took us. Oh. It was funny. It was like, there's no Gujaratis there. It was held by South Indians. They were doing everything wrong. And uh, and so my mom got up on stage and literally started telling people what to do. In a community we have it's like never met these people, she literally takes the mic and she's like, I'm Gujarati. I got this. Anyway, that was the last one. That's amazing. I mean, you you enjoy that, right? Like, you were on the, you're a captain of the Ross team. So, like, you got some moves. I got some moves. I'm still, I don't know, weirdly embarrassed about it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you got some. Moves. Enjoy a good garba. All right. So, favorite Indian food. Oh, um, devara. Mm, that, that's up there for me too, for sure. That's like a yogurt ball, dough ball. For those of you that don't know, <laughs> with a little bit of spice. Yeah. yeah. So good. Toilet or bidet? <laughs> Toilet. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> what I, I i grew up with no bidet either just wiping wiping my butt with my hand with in water uh now, now i like the toilet paper baby <laughs> what's the last indian meal you had um last night darbashak roti because my parents moms are in home with us. yeah moms and exactly damn <laughs> thumbs up or so pepsi good. Thumbs up, even though it's probably, like, got crack in it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the last Indian movie you watched? Probably Three Idiots. <laughs> it's been a minute. Damn, bro. When's the last time you went to India? Um, 2020, like, two weeks, three weeks before COVID lockdowns. What's the last book you read? The Score Takes Care of Itself. The body keeps. Oh, that's the one about like painting and something, right? The score takes care of itself. I literally think I just bought that. It's a football book. Oh no, no, no. I have a the body keeps score, and it's a oh got it similar title, different different concept. 
This was a game changer for me, by the way. You guys should read it. It definitely made me... update your Goodreads. So I mean, I follow you there. So if if you add it there, I'll. Uh, I don't. See it. I don't read. Um, <laughs> I don't read books. Seriously, yeah. like this is the first book I read since fucking Hatchet. In like. <laughs> I'll note it then, definitely. Yeah. It's what really was it called? One. The score keeps it. The score keeps itself. The score takes care of itself. It's Bill Walsh, the 49ers uh, yeah. coach from back in the day. The West Coast offense founder. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was him. Uh, yeah. Yep. Dope. Awesome. Well, uh, Hirsch, this was awesome, man. We had a blast. Yeah. Hopefully, you enjoyed it as same. much as we did. <laughs> we I was looking forward to... to this all week. Same, same. I had yeah. a I had an espresso in the afternoon after lunch to make sure the juices were flowing properly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But um, I got a nitro cold brew right here. Hell yeah! At uh, nice. five p.m., which is a bad idea, but whatever. Awesome. Yeah. So, guys, uh, follow us on the Raj and Bubs Pod on Instagram. Our Twitter is Raj and Bubs Pod. Um, what's our website again, Subbert? The website is therajandbubspod.com. So. Sweet. We'd love to hear your uh, feedback, any guest suggestions you have. We're very much a podcast in its infancy. I think we got something cool here talking about exciting uh, Indian, first gen, immigrants, etc. stories. And um, we uh, can't wait to share more as they come. <laughs>